sequence time. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running, commit, liftoff. Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send us your questions to Facebook or Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. Well, Doug, you know, coming in today, uh, I know you heard about Rush Limbaugh uh, passing away. Pretty, pretty sad. And, you know, I was thinking about that and thinking about, um, you know, earlier the news came out a few days ago about Vo- Dr. Vody Bauckham needing heart surgery. And uh, it just got me thinking about uh, my generation and, and who's going to be the next to come up who really uh, espouses strong morals and a biblical worldview. And, uh, you know, it, that kind of kind of shook me a little bit because I don't really see any anybody in my generation that's really uh, seems to be standing uh, for the faith too strongly. You know, most of the pastors who are uh, big names are kind of squishy or health and wealth or something, you know, so... Yeah, uh, well, I you know, Vody Bauckham has been a guest on this program. And uh, for those of you who do not know who Vody Bauckham is, his name is spelled V-O-D-D-I-E, Bauckham, B-A-U-C-H-A-M. Uh, Vody uh, was a pastor, or is a pastor. Mm-hmm. He is a teacher trainer over in Africa. And uh, Vody, um, and I've had discussions just about the very thing you're talking about and that's why he went to africa Mm. to go train people over there because there are people training people here over there not many where he is and uh, he really was felt led to do that and uh he is you know he calls himself a former pastor Mm. because he considers himself more of a a trainer over there and what he's doing but he's the dean of theology at African Christian University over in Zambia. And he, uh, you know, he has been a very bold proclaimer of truth. I loved having him on. He uh, has degrees from Houston Baptist and uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's got his doctorate from Southeastern. And uh, he was a football player. Did you know that from Mm -hmm. L.A.? And uh, they've, uh, have nine children and he has been committed to taking care of his kids and teaching his kids very big on the family and it's not the youth pastor's role to take care of his kids it's mm-hmm. his role as a shepherd and a lot a lot of good resources you can go to his uh, website votybacham.org but i want to say this about the body of christ with Vody. Vody has given his life to going over there and he went over there without insurance because insurance over here does no good for insurance when you're in Zambia mm. to medical bills. And so they've been living by faith. And um, he had heart problems. And it turns out what they originally thought was only going to cost $750,000 is going to be like $1.2 million for his wow. heart surgery and everything that's needed. He probably is going to need a transplant. Cause he's his heart's in heart failure mm. and uh, uh, God has raised up 
$1.2 million mm-hmm. out of the 1.25 needed how cool is that awesome i mean and in almost like a week yeah uh, that's transpired because this stuff is just happening Mm -hmm. but they have a gofundme page and um a lot of people have shared and it's been really neat people are praying for him people are praying for this and uh i'm encouraged for him he was great to have on the program and uh hopefully we'll get him back i want him to do a retreat of ours because he's just so faithful but you know Going back to your original question, um, it there's not a lot uh, of that going on. And we live in a culture, uh, like I shared yesterday, uh, that has been very influenced by the father of lies. Mm-hmm. And when you get a guy who's on the level of influence of a Max Lucado apologizing, um, not for his behavior, um, uh, not for uh, losing his temper, but for preaching God's word yeah. and uh, maybe not being sensitive enough. I just wonder how John the Baptist yeah. uh, would have been received in this culture or Jesus himself. Jesus, you know, people were attracted to Jesus because people wanted to make Jesus what they wanted to make Jesus. They thought he was going to be Messiah. And when they found out, a lot of them, that he wasn't going to give them what they wanted, they left. And he said they left because they were never part of me. Because following Christ is a spiritual thing. It is not a thing that we've created. We've made it easy access. Mm-hmm. We've made it uh, mass-produced evangelistic tracks and mass-produced evangelism where if we just create the right mood if we just give them the message in the right way maybe we can get them to pray this prayer with us and then we can tell people they're in the kingdom and we've produced a lot of professors who don't possess the holy spirit they simply profess the name of christ and uh we've convinced these people that they're in the kingdom of god now simply because they acknowledge intellectually jesus died on a cross for their sins and yes they're sinners and that was never the good news the good news message the gospel message is our god reigns and so you know rush limbaugh had a brother named david or has a brother named david limbaugh and um rush on air professed to believe in jesus christ to follow him and I think that came about later in his life. I don't think that was something that he followed his brother in early on, but his brother, his brother wrote about the crucifixion and resurrection. His brother has written on several topics and his brother is a strong believer. And I really hope that his brother impacted rush in a way that it was authentic for him. Um, because he was used to be a voice for conservative values, which aren't bad values at all. Um, he was a voice that spoke against lies. And an interesting um, article came out um, today by uh, Al Mohler on lying. And this is why lying is, and all these lies that we are seeing now and not being able to distinguish the truth from 
reality is is bad for us as a culture. Uh, Al Mohler was talking about a a guy who was from Harvard who wrote about uh, his name was Professor Sunstein, and um, he writes that uh, a false statement can lead you to fear or dislike someone or to believe that there's something wrong with that person, even if there isn't. It never leaves your mind once it's given. In other words, let's say I make a false statement about you, Taylor, that's not true, but simply because I have a following uh, that people come to these meetings that I have a chance to lead or that people use a, a publication that I write in, I can make a statement. And even though there's no truth about it, it, it's accepted because we tend to accept things until they're disproven Yeah. rather than being skeptical, mm-hmm. although we're getting skeptical, hopefully. Um, but he, this, this guy talks about this, and he talked about an experiment. It's interesting. They got people to take sugar and pour into two brown bottles. And they, they tore open the sugar containers, just regular sugar, white sugar in packets. They poured the um, uh, sugar into one brown container, and they put a label sugar on it. They poured the label, and I mean, they poured it in another brown container, and they put the label cyanide on it, which is one of the deadliest mm-hmm. poisons in the world. Everybody took the sugar when asked to use one of the sugars out of the non-cyanide bottle. Why? Because even though they poured the sugar in that bottle and they knew it was sugar, there was something in them that says, I don't want to be drinking or using this sugar if it's marked cyanide because there's something about us that understands that if we do things that are incorrect, we could accidentally do them one day. I've seen this when I teach people how to shoot or when people are um, being trained. If you learn bad habits, you don't even have to think about them. So you can be trained by this. So what do you think is going on in our culture with cancel culture? What do you think is going on with all the false information? Go back for all the people listening to this broadcast and listen, um, this is nothing against you if you feel led to wear a mask. If you want to wear a mask, that's your choice. But the government uh, guy, uh, Dr. Fauci, who is the one who is really the force behind the mask mandates that end up happening out of the CDC, you know what? He has changed his position back and forth so many times that we don't know what to believe Mm -hmm. and so i just think it's it's funny how this kind of stuff affects us and that article that that guy was writing so uh anyway uh, i am sad that rush limbaugh passed away he was a a vocal proponent of truth and uh i hope that uh, we continue to speak truth uh as we go forward in our days to come ever how long or short they may be all right stay tuned we'll be right back If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. 
You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. All My Hope by David Crowder. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us just before the break, we were talking about uh, truth and lies. And, uh, you know, Doug, you mentioned that uh, lies are powerful and they get stuck in our head. Um, and I, I was wondering when you were talking why uh, lies have that uh, ability to affect us uh, so deeply and, you know, as opposed to the truth, does, are, are they, do they affect us more or is it just because of the authority of who's telling you the lie that you trust in or uh, kind of expound on the well, dichotomy there? Uh, well, here, here's the thing that you have people, and just to clarify what I was talking about earlier, you open the packets of sugar, you pour the sugar in each individual container you put on the labels so you know it's not cyanide in there but like you said you just don't you don't want to take a chance all right well here's the thing um that regardless of the bottle being marked cyanide even though we put it in there uh we want to take the other bottle because we just don't want to affirm that that could be true. We, we just don't want to take a chance on it. Um, that And social media platforms today are the censors. Now, this guy who wrote the article saying they should censor us mm. to make sure that no lies. Now, he's oh, advocating wow. that, right? Mm. But he's talking about some regulations on what we put out there. We're already seeing it. But the problem is they fact-check one side and not the other. For instance, uh, our... President Joe Biden the other night said that he inherited no vaccine, which we know the vaccine was already there, right, Mm -hmm. before he came in. They didn't fact check that. They didn't put a stamp on that that said false information. They let it go. They didn't even check him when he said it. Why? Because there's one-sidedness to social media. There, there is a growing conglomerate of social media, big tech, and a lot of people that uh, affirm 
that these lies that are out in our culture, we know that Satan is the father of lies. Now, I want to go back to the illustration. Um, the thing is that I said to you before the the uh, break or in the break that uh, he said lies are like cockroaches. They get stuck in your head and they start running around and then they come out. For instance, let's say uh, somebody makes a false characterization of you and they say Taylor's a racist. He's a racist, even though I don't believe there's racist. There's ethnic prejudice with people, but there's one race, the human race. But that being said, Taylor is racist, even though it's not true. And you know Taylor, but a couple of months down the road, Taylor does something that's really benign. Normally, you wouldn't think anything about it. But because that statement is in your head, you read into an action he's doing and you start seeing, well, maybe he is racist. Do you see how that subtlety affects us? And it's true. And the Bible in the Old Testament and New Testament tells us how to drive out lies is what? To saturate your mind with the truth, mm-hmm. God's word. That's why we read and we meditate on God's word. That's why we are to have truthful conversations with people and not to spread lies. That's why if you don't know something to be true, be careful about what you spread. Mm. That's why tomorrow I'm having a doctor that I know not somebody I don't know, but somebody I know and I've talked to that has worked on me, has done surgery on me, that is a medically trained doctor I trust to talk to us about COVID, the realities of COVID treatment that she has seen as a doctor. Mm-hmm. Not what the media tells you not what social media tells you, but she's going to be our guest tomorrow because I want to put the truth about what she has experienced that big tech isn't allowing us to put out. When I put a video she sent me um, or somebody sent me about what she said uh, and I shared it, it was flagged as false information. Mm. So if somebody's flagging what I put on as false, now they're calling me a liar right mm-hmm. and people that are my friends on this social media platform see that and wait wait a minute so SWAT radios putting out false information and and see so they are saying false things that become like cockroaches and maybe it's not true and whether it has to do with mask whether it has to do with the vaccine the election in the past one of the article one of the things he says that I really like is in the past, The way to defeat a lie is to have countering words of truth, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem is when they censor all the truth statements and they say they're lies, people start to think, well, it's all just conspiracy or it's all not true. And and again, whether it's the election, vaccine, uh, COVID, whatever it is, we are living in a time right now where people do not know what the truth is. Mm-hmm. But the one thing we can rest assured is true is God's word. We know his word is true, and he talks about that being the truth that we live by. And I, I do want to caution people again. If you get your Bible 
from your device. I believe there will come a day where, like in China, the devices will have altered transcripts of a Bible on your device. And you're not going to know it if you've never poured over the written transcript that was not altered by some electronic media. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important to pour over God's word. Because the truth is, I I remember one time Billy Graham's brother-in-law, we had him as a guest too, Leighton Ford on, he made a statement in front of 30 leaders, an unbiblical statement. And because he was Leighton Ford, people just bought it. They just go, yeah, nobody challenged him on it. And and a couple of us are looking at each other like, I don't think that's right. I think he misquoted that. But nobody challenged him. You know what he said? He said, if you guys are going to be leaders, you got to learn to challenge mm. lies. If you're going to stand for truth. And Christians who are listening to this broadcast, whether it's podcast or whether it's um, live, you had better start standing up for truth. Don't be a proponent of lies. Don't spread lies. If you if you don't know something to be true, it don't just buy into because everybody else has said that. Know what you're talking about. Um, and it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes, mm-hmm. but we've become so much a you know like sheep blindly following a leader. Um, that really is a liar or uh, whether it's our government or, you know, whether it's, it's, it's a false teacher in a church. Um, you know, I, I, I sent you, you asked me about it yesterday, James Graham. Thank you, James, for sending this, uh, sent me a thing about the number one song on Apple Christian music is written by a self-proclaimed queer girl who married another girl. So she's a lesbian, but she identifies as a queer who wrote this song, trashing youth group and church. Her father was a liberal Episcopal priest and gladly welcomed homosexuals and lesbians to be leaders in that local church body. And you can't profess to love God and go against his design as a matter of habit, pattern, and unrepentant. The Spirit will not let you continue down that road without taking you. I mean, you you just can't be there continuing to go on. You're a terrible witness for him. It would be like me saying, you know what? It's okay. I'm I'm a thief. And I love to steal, and God's okay with that because he loves me, and that's just who I am. You you wouldn't like that, especially if I stole something mm-hmm. from you because you're stealing something from somebody, right? But you wouldn't tolerate that. What about if I lied? And I just, I, it's okay. God accepts me to be a liar. See, we've we've diluted his word. And we've allowed these lies to come in, and the church is not standing for truth anymore. And he didn't bring us into the kingdom to just come in and get on a train to heaven. He brought us to be his warriors advancing truth out in the world. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, sorry, I went on a rant. (laughs) No, it's good. Uh, You know, I think for a lot of people, like you're talking about 
Um, and I don't think many people realize that we're in a battle. Um, and I think it's not, I mean, it's more present now, uh, than it ever has been that our culture is, you know, teetering on a knife's edge and there's, you know, the, the forces, I guess you would, you could say of, you know, progressivism and wokeism in a new right, <clears throat> excuse me, a new right and wrong, uh, you know, versus kind of the traditional, um, view of, you know, Christ and the Bible tells us what is right and wrong. And I, I feel like we, we're not looking at it in that lens and realizing that this is ultimately a battle for what is the truth and what is the culture going to hold as the truth. And I think, you know, for us, that means that we have to make sure we're living by the truth and, and not, uh, kowtowing <laughs> to any lies, you know? Yeah. Well, part of the issue is that, uh, we have so many posers in the church mm-hmm. and professors, but they're not, they don't really have the Holy spirit in them. And, you know, we're in acts chapter two, we were looking at Peter's first message, and yesterday we really got into his message uh, about the supernatural life of Jesus as he's preaching. He's highlighting the fact that God attested who Jesus is. And in verse 23, we saw him highlight the fact that Jesus died because of God's plan to redeem mankind. It was not the Romans that put Jesus on the cross. God did because it was part of the plan. But those people rejected Messiah. That's the whole passage is about Messiah, which means anointed one, prophet, priest, and king. For them, they just wanted a king to come overthrow Rome. They didn't want a king to rule their lives. They 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 didn't they didn't want that. And so when we come back, we're going to finish looking at uh, his sovereign resurrection, what that really meant, his spirit releasing ascension which enables us now to go in the power of his spirit to be warriors for truth and his saving invitation to people that might not yet have bought in. All right, so make sure you stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsor, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug at SWATradio.com. And we'd also like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the news. There is good news for the captive. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That was Ren Collective with a Rescuer. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 41 this week. Um, and, you know, we're just starting to get into it right before the break. Before that, we were talking uh, really about the news of the day, but really uh, kind of delving into the truth versus lies and why it's important for us uh, to live by the truth and not by lies. So if you missed any of that and you'd like to go back 
and uh, listen, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com, and you can listen to our past programs, um, or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download the SWAT app in the App Store. Well, Taylor, you know, we were talking about um, Peter's message. That's what the whole point of Acts 2, 22 to 41 is. It's about Messiah, God's Messiah, not our Messiah. I mean, he is, Mm -hmm. but not our version of God's Messiah. It's the Messiah God chose. It's his son. The word Messiah, remember, means anointed one or chosen one. And the Greek equivalent is Christos. In English, we say Christ. And just as a reminder, the name Jesus Christ is the same as Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And it means prophet, priest, and king. They were looking forward to that anointed one that would come set everything right. Real quick question. Why did they anoint with oil? Was that just a the ceremonial oil, yeah, it was, the, it was a symbolic mm-hmm. of God's blessing and choosing whoever they anointed. Mm-hmm. It was like the the the... The oil would symbolize God's presence. It was just the way they anointed. And usually it was done with the first oil, the virgin olive oil, the first run oil Mm -hmm. that would come on. That was what was used for anointing kings, prophets, and priests. All of those offices were anointed. Is that um, like did God tell them to do that in the Bible or is that just a a tradition that kind of came about. With oh, no, that in the Bible, they, they were told to do that, and, and we see them doing that. That's in Deuteronomy, or where, where did you tell them to do uh, that? If you go back, uh, Leviticus, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, you can see it there. And also, uh, I think it's, I know it's in Leviticus, because that's the Levitical, uh, as far as the priest the and how mm-hmm. they did. Uh, I think also in Exodus, too. Okay. Uh, but um, anyway... They they used the oil, they used it to anoint, to symbolize God's choosing and basically anointing, messi- uh, blessing this choice for king, mm-hmm. for priest, in the case of Elisha, or, uh, or prophet, I mean, in the case of Elisha, and priest in, the, uh, in Aaron or Aaron's sons. Um, and so... They they use this first-run oil. I've been over there, and you see how they get the actual olive oil out, and the first bit is the, called the virgin oil, and it's the, it's the best oil is the first run through, and that was what they used to do that. And, you know, the deliverer is what they called their Messiah. He was going to deliver them. But the problem with the people of Israel is they believed he was going to deliver them from Rome. Mm-hmm. And he was coming to deliver them from sin, first of all. And Jesus made it all about um, the internal and not the external like they did. Um, and so I think, uh, I think when we look at Peter's sermon and you go back, and he, he, it, it, it goes back to that issue of, the anointing comes from God, right? And he wanted people to know that Jesus' life was was had God's fingerprint all over it. He had his fingerprint all over his life because his 
miracles he did weren't your normal guys who were just saying, hey, I did some magic mm-hmm. here or there. I mean, people were blind from birth that could see. People were lame from birth and they could walk. People were dead in the tomb for four days. They believed that the spirit left the body after the third day. Mm-hmm. So when he uh, raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm God over all this. I've, I represent the most high God. I am God. And, and so it was God's fingerprint. And so he used three words. Remember, we talked about mighty works, the miracles. They showed God's fingerprint wonders that was their reaction and then signs it pointed to it pointed to the fact that he was this messiah and so that was the first thing peter brings out and notice he says jesus of nazareth in the text and the reason he says that that's what was on the cross king of the jews jesus of nazareth so he used that term uh to them to say the very person you rejected and handed over to these pagan people that was Messiah. But he says, listen, it wasn't you. It was God's plan. It wasn't the Romans that did this. And he goes into the second point, his sacrificial death. His death is what paid the penalty for our sins. They were well familiar with sacrifice. Mm-hmm. They'd been sacrificing a long time. They knew it had to be perfect. Well, to pay for the sins of the whole world, to make everything right with God and his wrath against mankind, it would have to be a perfect godlike sacrifice. And so he was that. And and he points out uh, to the Jewish people that had rejected him, he said, listen, you know what? You struggle because you reject him, but he was part of God's plan from the beginning. God had foreknowledge of it. That means that doesn't just mean that God knew something was going to happen. It means he made a choice because he predetermined it. And so it was part of his plan. He had predetermined it. And Peter was saying, it's not the Romans' decision. It was God's decision. And because, remember, they were saying, if he's Messiah, tell him to come down. Come down now if you're really him. And and he was, they kept asking for a sign, but what did he say about a sign? He said, he's going to only provide the sign of Jonah. Yeah, yeah. The... Uh, he said the sign, the only sign you're going to get is that sign, which is what? Three days, and three mm-hmm. nights. And that's what it was. And so, you know, um, when you look at Peter's, where he's going, he's taking them from his supernatural life to his supernatural or to his uh, sacrificial death. And then he goes into the sovereign rec- resurrection, which we said was the hinge point of our faith. And I mean, when he died, cause you can't kill God. He, prove to the world that he really was who he said he was because he kept telling him he was going to do this now what happened when he initially tried to tell them about all these things remember when he told them over and over i'm going to die three days later i'm rising again how did they respond to that with disbelief or uh i think at one point even peter said no you're not going to do that and jesus said get behind me satan that was talking about that right <laughs> well he, yeah he but every time every time he would try to tell them, it just went right over their head. Why? Because they were looking for their version of Messiah. And I think we do that today. We look for our version of Messiah, what he will bring to me personally, mm-hmm. not to our people, not to us as a group, uh, to me. Now, Jesus does impact us personally, 
but he's not your own personal Messiah. Who does he come for? The lost, all of us. Uh, he comes for his people. Right. And where is people annotated? In the book of life. And when were they annotated there? Before the foundation of the world. Now, do you know who his people are? Do I know who his people are? Nobody does except for him, right? He knows that, but we don't. And so as we go out into the world, we are proclaiming and preaching the gospel message, all of us, we should be, so that his followers will hear that message and respond. Some of them have not yet responded, so those are the people that we preach for. Now, there'll be others who will hear and reject. That's okay. It's sad, but it's okay. Our goal is not to win people into the kingdom. That's his job. Our goal is to be the instrument of his voice going through us as we preach the word. Romans 10 says, how will they believe if they don't hear? And how are they going to hear if no one preaches? And how are they going to preach if no one is sent? How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. That good news, Evangelion, it means our God reigns. And I think in our culture, we've just simply asked God for a priest. We don't want a prophet who tells us his word when we're disobedient. We don't want a king that rules over us. We just want him to take care of our sins so we don't have to deal with the wrath of God. But he's prophet, priest, and king. And so, um, you know, you think, um, you just think back to where Peter's going, his supernatural life, his sacrificial death, his sovereign resurrection. And by the way, that's where he exposits Psalm 16, 8 through 11. And then he goes into his spirit-releasing ascension. Jesus told his followers in John 16, if I go, then I'll send the comforter to you. But I have to go. I can't stay with you because as he was in his earthly form there, even though he was 100% God, he had purposely limited himself in that body form. Mm -hmm. And he said, I have to go. And Psalm 110 is quoted by Peter in this passage and it's like he says, the Lord said to my Lord, you remember you read it yesterday. I said, it's like a father to a son sit at my right hand. The right hand was a position of honor. And remember he talked about making enemies your footstool. What that symbolizes is when a king would conquer an opposing force, his men would bring the leaders of that force to the king as he's sitting on his throne and he would put his foot on the neck of that opposing force leader, symbolizing what? I have authority over you. Mm-hmm. And what Peter said is, he says this. He says, let all Israel know Jesus is Lord and Messiah. He's Lord. He's master and he's prophet, priest, and king. He amplifies his lordship over that and when we're coming back we're going to look at his last thing the saving invitation he gives in the last part of the verse all right so stick with us we will be back with more after the break you're listening to swat radio stay tuned this program has the potential to reach millions of men each week if you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about jesus through god's word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com 
Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. That is Brother by Need to Breathe. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 41, uh, talking about God's Messiah this week. Uh, if you have any questions about that or would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. Hey, Taylor, I want you to read 37 through 41 real quick because this is really uh, cool what God does here with Peter's message. And just as a reminder, he has given them the supernatural life of Jesus. Then he talks about his sacrificial death. Then he talks about his sovereign resurrection, quoting from Psalm 16, where David wrote about the Messiah and he's not referring to himself. And Peter says, no, David's tomb is still with us, but Jesus' tomb's empty then he talks about his spirit releasing ascension and he said let all israel know jesus is lord this jesus you crucified is lord and messiah you rejected him you not only rejected him you gave him to these pagans and they killed him um and so then he goes into verse 37 and let's and read what it says now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000. It says they were cut to the heart. That word means stabbed, and it's only used here in the whole New Testament. Mm. It's like a sudden and acute pain. And I use this example. It's kind of a, a tough example, so I apologize up front to people. Uh, it's graphic, but I want you to think about this for a second. Let's say that, um, 
let's say that you are um, in a driveway, your driveway. You're just getting in your car like you normally do, and you back up, and you hear somebody screaming, and a neighbor's child has run behind your car, and you run over them and kill them. Are you going to get out of your car with no emotion? Are you going to go back there and look at what has happened and feel nothing? You are going to be cut to your heart. You are going to be like stabbed in your heart at that moment at what happens. Now, I want you to freeze that picture in your head of that graphic illustration. And again, I know it's graphic and I'm I'm, I'm sorry for that, but it's a picture of what it means to be cut to the heart. I want you to think about people trusting Christ in our culture. I want you to think about mass crusades, mass outreach events. People walk down front, they pray a prayer. How many people do you see with that kind of anguish, that kind of realization? I, I, I mean, and people say, well, I'm just not a very emotional person. If you put an emotional person in that car I talked about, would they not have any emotion and feeling to get out and realize they just killed an innocent child? Yes. So how do we not feel something when the king of the universe comes to earth, never does anything wrong, never violates any of the creator's commands, is sinless, perfect in every way, and he's marred beyond recognition, spit upon, the hair of his beard pulled out because of you and me. How do we not feel for that? How, how do we not feel? Yeah, we go, yeah, that's a little kid. Jesus was more innocent than any child that's ever walked the face of the earth. How do we not feel cut to the heart when we realize our sin put him there? And I think this shows the problem with American Christianity is we have diluted the gospel and made it so humanistic and so about us that we forget that the, the wrath of Almighty God and being at, uh, an enemy of that God is alleviated because of the death of Jesus, and we caused it. Yeah, Our sin caused it. These people realized it that day. They were cut to the heart, and they said, what do we do? Peter said, repent, repent. Going back, just real quick, verse 22, Peter said, this man is attested to you by God. Verse 24, he said, God raised him. You killed him, God raised him. Verse 32, God raised him. He's Messiah. Verse 33, he exalted him at the right hand. Verse 34, God made him Lord, Master, and Messiah, prophet, priest, and king. You did this, but God did this. He says, repent and be baptized. Conviction is the first work of the Holy Spirit. If, as a sinner, you feel no pain, no agony of what you have done in rejecting Christ, then you really know who he is. (coughs) Sorry. Now, think about what happened that day. That day... 3,000 people went from guilty to forgiven in a moment. 
3,000. Now, where were they? They weren't in the upper room. You didn't have 3,000 people crammed in that little room. Most likely, they were on the southern stairs, which Herod built. It was the main entrance for the procession of pilgrims up to the temple. Those actual steps are still there. They're, mm. well, I've walked on them. I've taught on them. It's cool because they're 2,000 years old. Yeah. They were the steps where Jesus and his disciples would have been teaching. They were called the rabbi's teaching staircase. Now, if you go back just real quick from Luke 24, it says they were continually in the temple after Jesus left. Acts 2, 1, they were all together. 120 people, not in the upper room, probably there. The disciples were back and forth between the upper room and the stairs there. Acts 2, 2, it says the entire house. Jewish people referred to the temple as the house of God. They would call it the house. Mm -hmm. 3 through 15 of Acts 2, we looked at the languages. Where would all those nations have been, all those people from different nations on that staircase? Uh, Acts 2, 16, Joel's prophecy about the messianic age right there. And there that day, the presence of God was transferred from a geographical location of the temple to his people. It was historic. It was the birth of the church. Now, Remember that they celebrated Pentecost, and it was a thank you feast for the wheat harvest. And back in Leviticus 19, um, God instructed his people, don't cut the corners of your field. Leave that for the sojourner, the widow, the alien, the orphan. In other words, what he was telling them, show gratitude and trust in me, care for others, that is the mark of being my people. Now, what happened back when Moses got the law? Remember, they celebrated Pentecost also as a birthday of the giving of the law, the receiving of the law mm. on that, because it was about that same time period after they left Egypt. It was like 50 days. And back in Exodus 32, when Moses came down with the law, what happened? They were engrossed in immorality. He said, instructed the Levites, they took their sword and they struck down how many people that day in Exodus 32? If you go to Exodus 32, 28, real quick. 32, 28. Right? Exodus 32. This is Pentecost in the old, this is like them coming out of Egypt. They're receiving the law. This is what they celebrate also on Pentecost. Wow. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day, about 3,000 men of the people fell. Wait a minute. 3,000. Imagine the disciples and the apostles baptizing people that day. 2,980, 2,990, 2,999, 3,000. Okay, we're done. 3,000. Wait, 3,000. 3,000, it's Pentecost, guys. 3,000 people died back in Exodus when we received the law. 3,000 people were born again today mm. when the Spirit came. And what did Paul say? Paul said the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Mm. 
So that's how Pentecost ends the chapter. Uh, Luke in Acts 2, 42 to 47, what did they do? What, what did God tell them to do back in Leviticus? He said, don't cut the corners of your fields. Let your love for me be seen in how you love others. And what happens after this moment? They get the Holy Spirit. They love others. They mm-hmm. start selling stuff to take care of people. They become one. They, they let their love for each other be the witness of their love for God. The true mark of being filled with the Spirit is not speaking in tongues. The true mark of being baptized in the Spirit is not saying unintelligible words to people. The true mark of being baptized and filled in the Spirit is how much we care for the people who need what we have. And that's what Luke is trying to get across, I think, here. And he makes this great connection between the 3,000. He records this. 3,000 people got life that day as compared to the 3,000 people that had their lives taken away back in Exodus 32. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That was actually pretty crazy when I read it. I was like, I didn't. That's, uh, you know, really interesting then, too, with, like, the parallel of how, you know, the mirror image, you know, really in life and death. That that was pretty cool. I I had not heard that And Paul said... The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. If you're out there, it's never too late to repent until you're in the box. Mm. So don't let another day go by without calling on Messiah, the one true Jesus, to be your prophet, priest, and king. Jesus of Nazareth, he is Messiah. Call on him today. All right, that's what we have time for today. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Oh, and make sure you tune in tomorrow. Dr. Merritt. Dr. Merritt will be on. Make sure you turn in tomorrow. That should be good. It'll be talking about COVID. Um, That's all the time we got. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual